Well, thank you, uh, Emma, for uh, reading for us. And if I can extend my welcome, my name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here at church. And I want to uh, talk to you today about being the wise person. Uh, everyone loves being the wise person. You know, no one uh, sets out to be the fool. Uh, even my six-year-old loves being the wise person. So let me, let me share with you the oldest parenting joke, uh, the parenting trick in the book. Uh, I've got four kids, 12 and under, and uh, when my kids are being difficult, I love giving them the either-or option, right? It's a parenting trick. If you don't know it, you need to take it up. You've got till their six-year-old to, to use it. So true example, my six-year-old was uh, refusing to eat chicken nuggets. And I was like, come on, like, there's chicken nuggets, right? It's not broccoli, it's chicken nuggets. But he's our fourth. You kind of give up by your fourth, so chicken nuggets becomes a problem. But uh, I give him the either-or option, right? I give him the either-or option. I say to him, his name's Samuel, I say, Samuel, either you eat the chicken nuggets or I get out a can of pow meaty chunks, which is dog food, right? And he knows, he knows what it is. It's a bit of a running joke in our family. If you don't eat your food, pow meaty chunks, it's coming out of the cupboard. Uh, it, it's actually, the joke's on them. We don't have a dog, so it's an idle threat, but don't tell a six-year-old that. Uh, but I say to him, I say to Samuel, I say, okay, well, what will it be? Chicken nuggets? Oh, it looks pretty good. Or do I get out the dog food, you know, power meaty chunks? And so what he does, he kind of stops and thinks about it, looks up a bit, ponders, and then he says to me, he says, chicken nuggets. And I say to him, wise option. Good choice, my son. And then he's really happy. He's really chuffed because like, he's picked a wise option. There he is eating his chicken nuggets. And I win as parents. It's a good trick. You've got till they're about six-year-old. Then it doesn't work anymore. But uh, from the youngest age, we love being the wise person. No one, no one wants to be the fool. People love making the wise choice. And all parenting jokes aside, when it comes to this life, the life we all live, uh, this life that we're all a part of, we're all born into, there's this either-or option where on one side of the coin is the wisest option ever, and on the other is tragically and eternally the foolish, the most foolish option ever. And it all has to do with a choice to worship or not worship this King Jesus. And I want us to think about this uh, wise option by looking at Matthew's record in the Bible. So if you've got the outline there, that'll be very helpful. It's all there for us. And uh, if you've got that there, it's a section of Matthew's gospel, uh, which is a historical account of what happened with Jesus. That's, that's what he's writing for us. And as we think about this, just remember, these, these are real people that we read about. Uh, they're, they're real places. This is a, a recounting of real events. You can go to Bethlehem today. You can go to Jerusalem today. Uh, we read about King Herod the Great in this passage. You can read about King Herod in other historical sources, not just the Bible. So just remember, as we read this, in many ways, this is, this is very normal. Uh, it, it's very ordinary. This is an historical account, but it's also quite extraordinary. Uh, it's also quite abnormal. And I want us to see this uh, from the passage. So just have a look how Matthew starts off. Look at the very beginning. Look from uh, verse 1 there on the passage you've got in front of you. And it says this, it says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men came from the east and arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Now, I'm sure uh, the day of your birth was very special. Uh, I'm sure the day you were born, there was all sorts of celebrations. Uh, there would have been telegrams or text messages, depending on what decade you were born in. I won't guess, don't worry. 
but I, I also suspect that nobody on your day of your birth came and worshipped at your cot. Uh, if that happened to you, come talk to me. That didn't happen to me. I, I suspect nobody worshipped you on the day you were born. You see, this is what happened 2,000 years ago with the baby that was born on this day. It's, it's odd. Wise men came from great distances to worship a baby. And just, just stop and think about that for a moment. We're, we're especially used to this story. We know the story. We hear it every Christmas. Uh, we hear it at other times. But what Matthew records here, it's unusual. Why would wise men, if they're so wise, why would wise men come and worship a baby? Because that doesn't sound very wise. You know, what, what can a baby do? If, if you've ever had a baby before or if you have nieces or nephews or so on, what do they do? They eat, they sleep, they cry, they poo. Uh, occasionally they vomit just to keep you on your toes. They're useless in a sense. Why worship them? And we don't really know much about these wise men. We don't know how many there were. Even though we're just saying that Christmas carol, you know, we three kings of Orient are. We don't, we don't know. Were there three? Were there two? Were there 22? We don't know. Uh, we don't know where they came from. We only know they came from the east. That's what the Orient is. It's the east, so that's where they came from. We don't even know what makes them wise men. Why are they so wise? Why were they labeled as wise? And if all that wasn't odd enough, in verse 2, if you have a look there, in verse 2, we get the reason why these wise men came to worship the baby. Did you see what's there in verse 2? Why did they come? Because verse 2, they saw his star. They, they saw this miraculous star in the sky moving uh, unexpectedly. Uh, towards the west, westward, again, as we sang in that carol. Uh, put your hand up if you're a star upon the tree kind of person, kind of family. Is that all? Not many, a few more. People are shy, put their hands up. Put up if you're an angel on the tree sort of person. Not so many. There you go. Well, there you go. We're, we're obviously a star on the tree sort of church. I don't know who built that, but they obviously put a star on there. That's why we put stars on the tree. It's, it's this verse. Uh, this is because Matthew records it for us. That's why we have stars on the Christmas tree. But the point is, what Matthew records for us here with these wise men and this star and the worship of a baby, it's, it's odd. It's unusual if you just stop and think about it. You know, when do you see a star moving so rapidly that, that it makes you go westward? When do you see people worshipping a baby? When do you see wise men come out of nowhere? This is this is odd. This is unusual. It all seems quite unwise as well that, that people would come to worship a baby. And in a moment, we'll think more about these wise men and why they worship. But first, I want us to look at two other responses to what happened on this day 2,000 years ago. Because it's not just us as we read this to think this is, this is quite unusual. Uh, 2,000 years ago when this happened, it was unusual. See, look at the reaction in verse 3. Have a look with me at verse 3. Look what it says. So King Herod, he was the king in that part of the world under Roman rule. So when King Herod heard this about the coming of these wise men and the star and the, the wanting to worship this child, when King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now I just want to look firstly at this response of King Herod. You see, there's no doubt that King Herod knew that something supernatural was happening with this event. Part of why he was deeply disturbed was because he knew something out of the, out of the ordinary was, was going on. This is not normal stuff. It's not every day the wise men turn up to worship a baby. It's not every day you see a star manifest in the sky. And it's not every day, just look at verse 2. 
This is really important. Look at verse 2. It's not an everyday that of a baby, a future king announcement is made. See verse 2? It says that, 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 that it's one who has been born king of the Jews. And at first read, you might think that um, King Herod was quite excited about this and really positive about this strange and odd event. So if you read verse 7 and 8, look at verse 7 and 8, halfway on your page there. See verse 7 says, Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, report back to me, so that I too can go and worship him. And so this sounds really nice and, and positive and genuine. King Herod wants to go worship this baby as well, but it's not genuine. Uh, we need to remember that Herod is King Herod. And this child has been announced as the king who's been born. And if you know anything historically about King Herod the Great, you'll know that he's very protective about his kingship. It's actually quite wicked what he does. Uh, we know historically from other historical sources outside of the Bible, we know that, that Herod was so insecure about his kingship that he actually had three of his own sons killed because he was worried that, that his sons would come and take away uh, his throne, that they would plot against him. Uh, Emperor Augustus actually uh, said this joke about Herod. He said, it's better to be Herod's pig than Herod's son. Because uh, Herod was raised Jewish. And so if you were Jewish in that time, you didn't eat pork. Uh, so you wouldn't eat your pigs if you had pigs. And so the joke was, better to be his pig than his sons. Because he, he would kill his sons. Because he's worried about his throne. That's the sort of man he was. And it's not on your outline, but if we uh, read a little further into Matthew chapter 2... We read that King Herod was so paranoid about this baby being announced as king that he did this. It's up on the screen. We read this a little later on. That Herod gave orders to massacre all the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under in keeping with the time he learned from the wise men. Horrible. And again, don't, don't just think, oh yeah, interesting fairy tale. No, real history, right? Recorded history. Horrible what he does. And so don't misunderstand King Herod when he was deeply disturbed. His main concern was his kingship, was his power, was his self-rule. And so his response to these extraordinary and unusual and miraculous events is eliminate the threat. Uh, horribly, it even meant kill innocent baby boys to eliminate the threat. And so the first response from King Herod, his choice and his response to this great news about this baby who's been born, is not to worship, but to eliminate. To get rid of the one who threatens his own kingship. But then you get a second response uh, of the chief priests and scribes. And the chief priests and scribes, they were the religious elites of that day. They were the experts when it came uh, to the Old Testament and the Jewish religion. And their response here is really interesting because it's so right and then so wrong at the same time. See, look again at verse 3. Just have a look at verse 3. It wasn't just Herod who was deeply disturbed with all that was happening. It was all Jerusalem with him. Because word had spread throughout the whole city about this baby who was to be king. So kind of imagine it like this. Uh, think of the best gossipers you know. Uh, it's, it's usually someone who's a close relative to you. Maybe your mother-in-law. I don't know. Uh, but think of the best gossipers you know. 
uh, around you. Imagine 10 of them. Stick them in the city of Jerusalem. And that's what happened. Word just spread all around very quickly about this baby who was born, this unusual event with the star and the wise men. And so the chief priests and the scribes, they get wind of this. They, they hear about this miraculous odd event. And verse 4, look at verse 4. Because they were experts in the Old Testament, verse 4, what Herod did is he assembled all the chief priests and scribes and asked them where the Messiah would be born. Because remember, King Herod, he was raised Jewish. And so he knew, oh, the Old Testament, it talks about a promised future king of God, about this Messiah. That's what the Messiah is. He's the promised king of God. And so Herod gets all the Old Testament experts together, brings them into his palace and says, hey, tell me, you know, you're the experts. Where was this promised king to be born? Where where is it that he'll be born? And we get the response. Look at verse 5. What do the the chief priests and scribes, the experts say? Verse 5, they say, in Bethlehem of Judea which is 100% right. And verse 6 there on your passage, that's what that's doing. It's quoting from the prophet Micah from the Old Testament because he said, he promised the king will come from Bethlehem. And if you look back at verse 1, look at verse 1, where was Jesus born? He was born in Bethlehem. It's all very simple. And so all the pieces are coming together. You get this miraculous star You've got the coming of the worship of this baby. You have the promise of the baby being born, the king being born in Bethlehem, which has happened. All the pieces are coming together, pointing to this child being born, being that promised king. And then what do the experts do? What what do the chief priests and the elders do? They've got all the pieces of the puzzle there. They know, well, the stuff that's been promised is happening. And what do they do? Nothing. Nothing. The experts, they don't even go and quiz the wise men about the star. Herod even did that at least. I mean, wrong motives, but at least he quizzed them. They don't even bother. They don't even go to Bethlehem to see this baby that was born. Bethlehem's only 10 kilometers away, not very far. See, all the pieces get put together and they do nothing. So you get this second response from the chief priests and scribes. They hear the news about this baby, but their choice is not to worship, but it's purely academic. They know it all fits together, but they do nothing. And so I want to come back to the wise men. This is the the third and final response, because look at what the wise men do. Look at verse 9. After hearing the king, they, the wise men, went on their way. And there it was, the star that had seen the east. And it led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. You see, King Herod wanted to keep himself as king, that the chief priests and scribes ignored him, And the wise men worshipped him. And even more than that, if you look at verse 11, they they come and bring gifts fit for a king. Gold, frankincense and myrrh. They're they're, they're gifts for a king. You see, this third response, that is the wise response. How can it not be? All these unusual events, all these miraculous events, all pointing to this child being the king, the promised future king. And there they are and they worship him. 
And part of what Matthew's historical account does for us as we read this, because that's what we are, we're readers of what's been recorded for us, part of what it makes us do as we read this is make us consider, well, what's, what's our response? How do we respond? How, how do you respond to this baby who was born? How do you respond to Jesus the King? And it kind of makes us ask, well, who are you like? Are you like King Herod? King Herod the Great. And I hope in lots of ways you're nowhere like him. I think it'd be safe to say that none of us here are responsible for the massacre of little boys. Herod was a tyrant. He, he was a horrible man. But what lay at the heart of Herod's response was actually his own kingship. You see, what, what lay at the heart of his response is that he wanted to worship himself rather than worship the true king, Jesus. You see, it's that old cliche of everyone worships someone. All the evidence was there for Herod to see, but Herod loved self-worship instead of God-worship. And that's the reality for each human being. Uh, every single human person, either you worship yourself or you worship the one true God who made you and created you and sent Jesus as your king. Or maybe we're more like the chief priests, right? Because what do they do? The chief priests and scribes, we might be like them. We know all about Christmas. Uh, we, we know that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago. We know that he's king. Uh, we, we might know that Jesus died for the sins of the world. But then all we do is know. All we do is know this stuff, but then we, we just ignore him. And so maybe every Christmas, we, you, might come and hear about the baby that was born. We love the carols. Uh, we come to a church service. We politely nod our heads and we enjoy ourselves and we enjoy the carols. We might even call ourselves a Christian. But really, we ignore him. We don't worship him. You see, this Christmas, this passage makes us ask, what is your response? How do you respond to King Jesus? Because either you choose to worship him or you don't. And if you read the rest of Matthew's account, the rest of uh, Matthew's gospel, you read that this Jesus, he didn't stay, baby Jesus, uh, he, he grew up, he, he proves to be God's promised king, he, he does unbelievable, incredible, miraculous things that only God could do. Eventually, Jesus goes and willingly dies on a cross to save our world from our sins. After three days, he rises back from the dead so that people might have life in him. You see, these wise men, they had only a few pieces of the puzzle, but they did the wise thing. They worshipped Jesus. And we know even more than them. We know that Jesus is the great and the loving king. And so what is your response? I actually think, I actually think it's a lot of pressure to make yourself your own king. It's actually a lot to live up to, to be the ruler of your own life. Because we're not very good rulers, and we're not very powerful rulers. We're not very good rulers because we get it wrong so much of the time. We make bad choices. We make wrong choices. Sometimes we think it will be right, but then we find out that actually it was wrong because we're not all-knowing. If ever you doubt that, if ever you doubt you make bad choices or wrong choices, if you're married, ask your wife or your husband. If you're a child, ask your parents, ask your kids. I'll tell you, we get it wrong. We're not all-knowing. And we're not very powerful. We're not very powerful rulers. We can't even control something as simple as the weather. We're, out of, we're not in control of that. 
We can't control the economy. We can't control the traffic. We can't even control our pets. I don't have a dog, but all my neighbors do, and they bark all night long. We can't even control pets. We can't even control the day of our death. You see, it's a lot of pressure to make yourself king. If you want to live as king, that's to put a lot of pressure on yourself. Because if I can be so bold, not only is it a lot of pressure, but it doesn't work. Because you, like me, are a lousy king because we don't know everything and we're not very powerful. And yet, we have this King Jesus who was born on Christmas Day, who is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-loving, so much so that he died for you, and he invites us to make him our king and to remove that pressure of having to live as your own king. And everything we know about this Jesus, everything that's recorded for us historically shows us that he is all-knowing and all-powerful and all-loving. See, don't you think it would be foolish to ignore him? Don't you think it would be unwise to just let another Christmas go by without worshipping him? You see, isn't, isn't the choice so obvious? You know, chicken nuggets or dog food, right? Make yourself king and ignore the one who is king and you will fail and worse yet, you will miss out on the eternal life that Jesus brings or worship Jesus as king and you will have the all-knowing, all-powerful, all-loving king as your king and the eternal life that he brings. Isn't it obvious? You see, come worship Jesus this Christmas. And not only this Christmas, but for all of your life. Because he's the good king. Well, let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that we might all make that wise choice, like the wise men, and come and worship Jesus all of our life. Because he's worthy of worship. He is the king. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.